You're listening to the Bride Chilla Podcast, helping bride chillas and groom chillas plan their wedding minus the bullshit, one podcast at a time. Well, howdy, and welcome to Q&A Thursday in a very busy time of the year. If you're listening to this in real time, we're in December, which for many people can be a bit crazy because people go nuts shopping, buying lots of shit they probably don't need, but they feel like they should. It's a little bit like weddings. I know in Australia we have the Boxing Day sales, which is the 26th of December when all the shops open. It's like our Black Friday. People will kill each other to get a discounted doona. And you're like, what the fuck's a doona? In Australia, a quilt, some sort of thing you put on your bed to stay warm, we call it a doona, which I was flummoxed. I was surprised to say that no one else in the world calls it a doona, except for us. We would also, here's a fun fact, not really that fun, we would also purchase the doona from the Manchester department in a department store. And again, something that no one really uses that term as well. Maybe the Canadians, I don't know. Canadians always seem to just, we all seem to group together in weird terminology. Manchester, apparently that's where in Manchester in the UK, that's where they used to do the cotton making and uh, they would make the sheets. So we call it the Manchester department. Fucking no one else does. Right, that is uh, Alicia's, <laughs> Alicia's Australian facts for the week. And now we're done. <laughs> Lots to talk about this week on the Bride Chiller Q&A Thursday. If you have a question that you would like me to answer or me to find an answer for with one of our many friends of the Bride Chiller podcast, e.g. wedding professionals, bloggers, psychologists, I don't know, you name it. I've got them under my wing. Uh, and it's nice to be able to hear from people all over the world. And I love hearing where you're from, where you heard of the podcast. And when you're getting hitched, it's nice to share that information. Have you heard Monday's episode of the podcast? I hope you have. Lovely Claire, Bride Chiller Claire, shared some amazing, amazing, I don't want to yell too much, but I feel like yelling, deals, tips on how she is planning a wedding for, get it, 400 people in under $15,000, I think, in four months. So, look, crazy, but also very clever. And I love hearing from you if you are doing something different, even if you're doing something the same. If you've got some ideas about saving money, if you've got some wedding hacks, if you've got a situation or scenario that you think other bride chillers and groom chillers would learn and be able to implement in their wedding or just share a fun story. I would like to hear from you. I deeply encourage voice messages because I know a lot of people like to write long emails and I I appreciate reading them, but also me reading them out can sometimes be super snores. Just saying. So if you'd like to leave me a voice message, that would be very much appreciated. Visit thebridechiller.com and just click on the little contact thing and it will take you to a page where you can either email me directly an mp3 file or you can click on SpeakPipe, which is a little recording special widget app, and it will record your message. Saying that, I'd like to be a total hypocrite and read an email. <laughs> Good timing, Alicia. This one is from Jen. She says, uh, looking for some advice to restore my bride chill. Can do. Absolutely. I just got rejected as a client by my dream florist, despite having been in talks with her for the last month because she did not want to allow me to DIY some of my floral elements for my wedding. Okay, there's more to read, but I just want to cut in and interrupt myself. Uh, Interesting 
you've been in in negotiations, in talks. It's funny the tone, like you know, we become when we get ideas of what we want. I'm this is like me in real life. I focus. I'm like, I want that. I want it to happen. I've got goals. I'm very forward thinking. And when it doesn't happen, it sucks. But also, I just want you to hear Jen's tone because I think when you find someone you want to use in your wedding, you know, it can be a bit hardcore if for whatever reason, if they're not available on a date, if the date that you need them, if they're way out of your budget, it can be pretty disappointing. But this to me is sort of a not strange situation, but being rejected due to DIY elements of her wedding, I read this and I was like, ah, this is a new one, Alicia. <laughs> Where's this going to go? Well, I'll tell you because I'll continue to read her email. I wanted to hire her for the bouquets, head table and bigger statement arrangements, and then add in a sprinkling of bud vases, which I would fill myself with flowers purchased in bulk and also make the boutonnieres myself. I always say boutonnieres wrong. Boutonnieres. You know, the things that you stick on your chest. That's the worst description of boutonnieres ever. Flowers that you pin on your chest. There it is. Uh, The reason for me wanting to do this are twofold. One, to keep costs down, and because I genuinely would find it fun and creatively gratifying to do some DIY for my big day. Since then, I've reached out to a few other florists who have said, also told me, uh, that they have exclusivity clauses which dictate they would have to be the only floral supplier for the event, and that their sharing duties, even with the bride and the day of coordinator, would risk compromising their brand integrity and the quality of the end result. To make matters worse, it seems the ones who don't have this clause instead have minimum spend requirements that are beyond my desired budget. I'm quite frustrated that it seems I'm not going to be allowed to combine the quality of professional work also getting to have the also going see why I ask you to send voice messages because I have problems reading. Also getting you uh, getting me oh my Christ <laughs> deep breath normally edit this out just gonna keep it so you know Also, me getting to have a personal DIY touch at my own wedding. Any advice? Thanks for all you do, Jen. Look, this is also very new to me, Jen. I'm the first to admit that even with nearly, well, not nearly, I've done two years of this show under my belt. I am but a woman who is interested in weddings who learns with you. So I had to do some serious Googling when it comes to this exclusivity because it's something I've not been asked before. And I was like, bullshit, this doesn't exist. Not Jen, I believe you, but I was just like, these people are finicky and a little bit crazy. But it seems that it's a really big thing. So one side of the story, I think, I'm trying to understand the florist side, and I get it. The reputation of an output of products from vendors is really important because that's how people get get to know if people are good. You know, I'm always banging on about the idea that you ask other vendors for um, recommendations that you would find their stuff on Instagram and stalk them that way and hunt them down and find them. It sounds predatory. So I get that the reputation of of their output of product, what they produce, is really important. It's a visual thing. It's creative. Floristry is quite a specific skill that a lot of people train a lot of years for, good florists, to make things work. I chuck things in a vase and they look shit. So I will say that, you know, I get the idea that florists are like, if you do a crummy job and put out, not to say you would, Jen, this is no disrespect to you, this is a general statement, if people do a crummy job and then someone's like, well, those 
Those bouquets are beautiful, but the centrepieces look like someone, a blind person's done them. No disrespect to blind people. I mean, it's just probably not a, I would say, floristry for blind people. I'm sure there are blind florists. Just saying. Rude. Uh, So, (laughs) where am I? So I'm just sort of saying, Jen, I feel like I'm trying to understand from the florist's point of view. But what it sounds like, you you aren't asking to do something complicated. You're not doing huge floral arrangements. You've got vases that you're going to put flowers in. I will say in our wedding, we used a pretty El Cheapo but fabulous florist in uh, in Fitzroy, Melbourne, where we're from, our local florist. I literally just walked in and said, what can you do for this amount of money? And she did an example, and it was beautiful. And she did not give a shit about anything else that we were doing at the wedding. So we chose, uh, we used, we collected jars. This is, feels like 50 years ago now. I don't know if people are still collecting jars. Uh, but they were tall jars that you buy pasta sauce in that had a nice little, uh, just, I don't know, what's it called? A pattern is the word on the glass, and we purchased yellow tulips, and we put them in for this for the table because we had quite skinny tables, and we didn't want to put a lot of crap on the tables because people wouldn't have room to eat. I I digress. So I think the thing for us was she didn't ask, she didn't care, she wasn't making a bunch of money out of us, and it wasn't you know her business wasn't going to be hinging on the fact that we had purchased flowers from her, although she was happy when I keep crediting her in wedding magazines and blogs when our wedding was shared. So I think she got a good end of the deal there. I suppose the same goes again. Uh, the exclusivity would obviously be, to me, something to stop you from going and hiring a rival florist at the same event. You know, that would be like some sort of florist showdown where they'd have to beat on each other. I don't know. But that to me feels a bit of the reason why they've got this exclusivity that you're saying, you're only going to use my services. We're not going to mix and match with different florists. So Jen, getting to your problem. I do think that if your heart is set on this florist, then maybe this is the DIY project that you ditch, just plain and simple, really thinking about minimizing the stress for you with this decision. She seems, you know, if she's got this contract, you I, I think we have to respect that people make the choice of saying, okay, this is what I'd like you to do, forget it. The other thing with florists, I suppose, is, um, you know, that you find a florist that's willing to let you bring in, let you, oh, feels wrong because it's your wedding, you fucking do whatever you want. You find a florist that's willing to find the compromise in it all and be able to, you know, just go along with it and do whatever you want to do. I mean, again, if, if this is the situation that you find a florist that you can just go and purchase flowers from, they don't come and set it up, you do it all yourself, it might be a bit cheaper as well and you might have the flexibility to then add your own DIY elements to it. That is an option. It'd be good to talk to the florist and say, I don't know. She might just, when you say she rejected you, I feel a bit angry because it's like, well, she's, you know, you've got business that you're giving her. But then also I'm trying to understand it from a vendor's point of view. I'm trying to be reasonable because I know I have lots of vendors listening. And if you're a vendor and you, I will say, uh, in this situation, you have an exclusivity. I'd love to hear from you because this is a different perspective on a situation that we all go through as clients. But perhaps you could go back to her and say, look, I totally get the exclusivity. I don't want to do anything flash and crazy. Can I show you what I would like to do and see if we can come to a compromise? I think a lot of people are reasonable uh, and a lot of people get very defensive and a bit sort of cray when it comes to trying to stick by their rules. But if you can slither your way back in and say, listen, 
I would just like to talk about how we can make this work because I really love your stuff. We've been talking for months. Clearly, I would like you to be part of my wedding, but I just want to see if there's any wriggle room, wriggle room at all. Say that 10 times fast. Wriggle room and uh, see the outcome. I think people are reasonable and I think if you're a big fan as well, gosh, you just butter her up a little bit. Just really douse her in ego love and see what comes of it. But there you go, Jen. I'm I'm grateful that you got in touch because you've opened my eyes to another part of the industry that I hadn't really had much to do with. And I know, obviously, exclusivity comes with photography as well. That is something I've heard of because uh, photos obviously are a big part of of celebrating and sharing the day aesthetically, uh, and especially when it comes to the old social media afterwards and people wanting credits and that sort of stuff, and they're the only people doing that job. Totally get it. But floristry, new to me. There you go. Thank you, Jen, for writing. She wrote on Facebook. That was why it was a textual message. Hi, Alicia. Uh, This is Katie from Rochester, New York. Um, I actually got to see you on Facebook Live the other day, which is a really cool change of what I'm usually doing, which is listening to your podcast on my commute home. Um, Your podcast has been great. It's really nice to hear somebody put a real spin on how shitty wedding planning can be sometimes. That's been great. So I have two questions. I'm going to try to make them quick. Um, The first question I have is I'm not having a bridal party. I decided that really early on, um, I by the end of October, I will have been in seven weddings and four of those made of honor. So, and I have two siblings. So even just having those people in my wedding, plus you know my siblings, plus people that I actually want in my wedding, that's like ten people. It's just too many. So I was thinking about doing a non-bridesmaid uh, list, like a tribe, a bridal tribe. Um, Basically, what it would just be is I just want a bunch of people to come over the morning of the wedding, drink a lot of mimosas, and just get ready with me. I just don't know how to word it. Um, I started making invitations that said, hey, here are your duties. Um, You don't have to wear a dress you're never going to wear again, and you don't have to spend money on me, and you get to drink with me the morning of the wedding. But um, the more I thought about it, I feel like some of the people that I have been in their weddings might take it as a slap in the face because, or maybe they'll feel guilty. Well, I asked you to do those things for me, which I don't mean it like that at all. I just, very low stress. I just, you know, I just want it to be my fiance and I. So any ideas on that, that would be great. Well, I'm going to interrupt you there, Katie. I think it's fantastic that you are acknowledging that you have bridesmaid burnout because so many people go through this and then resent the actual job because they're like, oh, another freaking wedding. And it's not that you don't want to be a part of it, but it is a big time commitment, money commitment, and you can start to feel, and this is not going to happen for bride chillers, but you do feel like you are living in bridesmaid Groundhog's Day, where you're just going through the same shit over and over again. So congratulations to you for saying, you know, I don't really want to do that and actually going through with it. I know a lot of listeners are like, oh, I don't want to have a bridal, bridal party, but I feel obliged to because, you know, they ask me or I feel like I should because it feels weird standing up there alone, blah, 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 blah. So I think congratulations. I didn't mean blah, 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 blah. I mean, obviously, all those points are very important. But from Katie's point of view, congratulations, Katie, because this is fantastic. You're just going, I'm going to spread my wings. Move on. I've said spread my wings twice in this podcast. Don't know what all that is about. I do think... 
it's nice that you are thinking about the idea of how they might take it, but also this is your this is your gig and you need to go your own way, like Stevie Nicks would say. So I think wording it in a way just to say I feel, you know, really put it back on to how you feel. This is not about what they did, um, I think is going to be fine. I don't think you should overthink it when it comes to the cool little list of tasks. Maybe, you know, you, you turn it around. I think with, with TV and stuff, we always say, find the positive. Don't always just go straight for the negative. So maybe in the list, you th- there's actually so many other things in TV that are completely negative, I will say as a side note. But it's good to go in with the fun things first, butter them up a little bit, and then you can hit them with some of the nego stuff down the list. But I love the idea of saying, hey, I would love you to wear your favorite dress or you know instead of saying you're not going to buy a dress that's you know we don't make a dress that you're not going to wear again maybe turn it around I don't think you have to do this for all of it because I also think you're doing this to make a bit of a stand and saying this is not our scene we want it to just be uh, us up there I'd love you to be involved and drink the mimosas so maybe it's a checklist of awesome instead of a checklist of things I'm not going to get you to do Whichever way you go, I think it's fantastic. And I will vouch for the chicks that are coming along saying, phew, I don't have to go through all the stuff I potentially had to go through. I'm also saying a lot of people love being bridesmaids. A lot of people make the bridesmaid experience amazing. And sometimes uh, certain people give bridesmaids a bad name, which is a shame. But I love what you're doing and I love your the ethos behind what you're doing. And I congratulate you. All right. What else have you got to say, Katie? My second question is, um, I'm thinking about getting a wedding planner. I am fortunate enough that my parents are paying for the majority of the wedding, and I really want somebody that I would want to pay for that will almost budget the money the right way and make it go farther. But the biggest reason why is um, I'm a full-time music teacher, and 10 months out of the year, I have, you know, I have a musical for three months out of the year that I don't get home till 10 p.m. I have, I have solo fest. I have county festivals. I have too many things to really get involved with it as much as I would like. I love doing DIY. I've been in a lot of weddings, um, which is why my family, they just kind of don't understand why I would want one. So I just don't know how to not convince them, but kind of get on board with me with that. And the other question I have about that is, what are some questions that you suggest on asking a wedding planner to see if they're right for you and what they offer? So but I love your podcast. I'm really glad I started getting into podcasts. It's your podcast and the West Wing Weekly. Those are my two podcasts that I listen to. So bye. Good questions, Katie. Firstly, I want to say I really am pro the wedding planner. I am pro pro the wedding planner on so many levels or wedding coordinator if you just want to go a little light on the wedding planner action. I say this because so many people I have spoken to and I've gotten to know so many wedding planners over the past few years and learnt the value of what they provide. And it's not just making sure things run smoothly on the day. They are also perfect for your situation. You sound like you're busy with lots of extracurricular things. As a teacher, you've got a, a, a calendar that is quite full. 
And to be honest, as we all know, wedding planning can become a complete full-time job. It can take over your life. Vendors can take freaking forever to get back to you. You're chasing quotes. You're chasing schedules. You're trying to coordinate a bunch of people. It's not a normal way of life. If you are like us, I know when we we said this you know, over and over again, the most we've ever organized was like a dinner for six people, and that freaked me out. So this is not a normal state of mind for people not in an event planning environment. Some people thrive and want to completely devote every living second waking moment to thinking about weddings. A lot of people find it completely stressful, which is why they've found their way to this podcast. And I say, just give in to that stress and find someone who can make your life easier and also potentially save you a lot of money. Most of the wedding planners I talk with are forward-thinking young wedding planners. I think the idea of wedding planners sort of came from this this sort of notion that people have to be rich and you have to hire a Jennifer Lopez-style wedding planner who will create a big ballroom with filled with flowers and it'll be very expensive. And that's just, you know, if you've listened to any of the episodes where I've featured planners, that is not the case anymore. A lot of them are really you know, hip to the idea of helping you save coin and also using their networks to find people who can achieve what you want within your budget. It saves you a lot of running around and also it just takes the the stress out of it, gives you peace of mind. So I, you know, will bang on about wedding planners every day if you give me the opportunity and especially wedding coordinators that's a whole nother conversation, but they're people that will come in and help you on the day and give you a bit of guidance before the wedding, especially if you don't want to hand over the reins completely to a planner, that might be a good option for you. So I think it's interesting when you say your family are a little hesitant, I think perhaps they might have this idea that a planner is, you know, is, is Frank from uh, Father of the Bride. I mean, if you found him, hire him because he's amazing but also that's not really what they are anymore and I think people that hadn't planned a wedding recently or been involved in a wedding perhaps would just have that idea so I would say definitely explore your options and you know a lot of wedding planners are completely open to you doing whatever the hell you want to do so if you want to do a bit of DIY great tell them communicate with them. You bring up a really good point about what to ask a planner. And I did do an episode quite early on about this, and I'm thinking this would be a good episode for the new year to record uh, some of the key questions you need to talk to when you are planning uh, to interview a wedding planner. And it should be a conversation. You should go for a coffee with them. You should ask them lots of questions about the weddings they've planned before, uh, how they have stuck, stuck to budgets. That is a really awkward thing to ask but it's really important it shouldn't be awkward it's a business deal this is exactly the point you should be asking them about uh, commissions do they is it a set price or is it a commission-based situation a lot of planners work very differently so if they're working off a commission you need to be very aware of your budget and then adding in, like you're hiring an architect or someone like that, that they might say, great, I take 20% of your, and I don't know the percentages, that's just me pulling a number out of my ass, but saying I will take 20% of what you spend. Or it's a fixed rate, it's two grand, whatever. Again, made up numbers. Don't take me, don't take me for granted on that. So I think it's important that you talk money, you talk aesthetics, you talk about their their network. And also, it wouldn't hurt to be able to come in with some Pinterest photos, some um, 
examples of the sort of wedding that you would like to plan. The other thing to note when you're hiring a wedding planner, it depends when you're hiring them. If you're hiring them, you know, six weeks after you get engaged, you've made no decisions. They can guide you through getting a venue. They can help you with, you know, the bigger details of finding a photographer, etc., etc. Or you might have already started planning your wedding, which it sounds like you already have, Katie, that you can find someone, which is probably more likely a coordinator, to come in and just, you know, vacuum up all of the other smaller tasks that are the most annoying tasks for some people and get them to go around and find solve problems for you, find solutions for issues that you might have or tasks that need to be done. So I do think it depends on what stage you'll be hiring uh, a planner or coordinator as to what you'll be asking them to do and also that will be reflected in the price. But it's good to have a conversation with them and get a vibe, meet them in person. How do you feel around them? I think you should trust your gut. Do you get along with them? Is this someone that you can work with? It's very obvious to me that a lot of people jump into bed, well, into wedding bed (laughs) with vendors that they then go, I don't really like you. And not to say you have to be best friends, but you will be talking to this person quite a lot and you want to trust that they're going to be able to be up for the task and also that you can communicate with them and think that they're going to be able to do what you're asking. As you might have heard a few episodes ago, uh, I had an, an episode uh, with Caitlin, Bride Chiller Caitlin, who had hired a planner, a destination wedding planner in the Dominican Republic. And unfortunately, she was a dickhead and did not do her job. And Caitlin said, I got this, my gut says early on, she wasn't the gal for me, but she was one of the very few coordinators slash planners available in that area. So we went for it and it didn't turn out that well. So I do really want to get Oprah on your ass and say, when you meet vendors, if you get a bit of a vibe that you're like, I don't like you, or I just don't think you're up for the task, then trust that gut or at least explore why you feel that way. And then go and ask for some testimonials or also say, can I have more advice? Uh, Can I have some uh, advice of what you think this, how you'd solve this scenario? Put them on the test, put them on the spot, do that. Katie, top job. Bride Chiller Kirsty is getting hitched today. The day that you are listening to this, she is just smashing it. She's relaxed. She's getting it all done. And uh, I actually sent her this voice message in advance. So she's heard this already, but I wanted to hold off broadcasting this until today when she's getting hitched. So hopefully she can listen to this again. Kirsty, if you're listening, I mean, don't look, if you're not listening to the Bride Chiller podcast on your actual wedding day, it's cool. It's fine. But if you want to listen to this, get all zen, get all calm, do a bit of... I wouldn't, I wouldn't, I wouldn't put it past you. If you want to listen to this now, it might just relax you. But if not, go and get married. Enjoy your day. All right, here's Kirsty's message, and uh, I look forward to answering her questions. Hey, Alicia, it's Kirsty here um, from Sydney, Australia. Actually, no, from Gold Coast, Australia. I just moved up here recently. Um, I'm getting married in one week and two days, and. I wanted to send you a message and ask you a couple of questions, if that's all right. Some last-minute questions. 
Um, but I know you always like to know a little bit about us and um, how we found your amazing, amazing podcast, which I've been listening to for the past few months and just getting so much from. So thank you so much. And I wanted to wish you well with the launch of your um, new app that's coming out. I think that's just such an awesome idea. Good on you. Um, yes, yeah, so my we're living up in, on the Gold Coast, um, beautiful part of the world for your international listeners. Um, they should come, come have pay us a visit. Um, sidetracked, sorry. <laughs> um, what am I talking about? My goodness. I have last minute wedding bride brain. I didn't even know it was a thing, but um, my thoughts are running so fast right now. It's becoming quite difficult to put sentences together, so please forgive me. Um, How did I find your podcast? Well, I found your podcast um, when I was actually on a little road trip, and I just started um, searching on the iTunes app for um, wedding stuff, and up you came, and I'm so glad I found you. And a little bit about me, we started planning... um, well, we planned our, we have planned our wedding in three months and we're getting married interstate because we grew up down in, um, down in Sydney. So it's been quite full on, the planning process, um, and, but like fun and also great because it's um, forced us to make far, kind of swifter decisions than what we might have made, I reckon, and probably over, would have overthought a lot more, which is a good habit that most of us have. Um, so, yeah, so that's our situation. Um, situation, it sounds like we're about to die. <laughs> that's how we're, that's how, who we are right now. Um, why I'm calling you for, or recording this for, is I've got two questions, and they're quite pressing questions. Um, the first one is, how do I relax? <laughs> I am not a stressful kind of person. I like things to be really chilled out, but I can just feel the the stress building and um, the pressure. I think it's coming from the pressure of thinking about the day and the pressure of wanting to look perfect or, you know, my perfect. Um, So if there's any advice on that front of of practical ways to just chill out, even when you've got still lots to do, um, I'd really appreciate that. Um, And the second question is... um, I guess a little bit related to one of the things that I'm feeling pressure on is the the wedding day itself. I, we, my partner and I haven't been to a lot of weddings, um, which makes it sound like we don't have friends. <laughs> well, we have. We're just often overseas traveling at the time where we've been invited to a lot of weddings, so all the weddings that we have been invited to. Um, so, yeah, like, I'm wondering, with the amount of people we have, and we've only got a small wedding, we've got 50 people total, and... I'm wondering how to... I'm not good with... I'm a more of a one-on-one kind of person. Um, I think in a past episode you in, you mentioned that, you know, the people might think that you're an extrovert but actually you're an introvert and you, you know, you recharge with your own energy um, when you're by yourself but obviously love a chat and love, you know, to entertain, clearly. Um, I'm, I, I'm similar. Like, I, you know, I'm definitely not shy totally happy to stand in front of people and talk or or to you know to to talk like a normal normal bloody person with someone (laughs) um but it's the whole group uh, just to have that many people there that are for you it just feels a bit like whoa and a bit overwhelmed with the support of that I guess and everyone's made that effort and 
wanting to get around and talk to everyone, but kind of practically knowing that that's not realistic, given, you know, there's only a five-hour reception. Um, you want to dance and enjoy yourself and have speeches and not, I guess, just spend the whole night separated from um, my then-husband. Um, yeah, any tips on how to handle that I would be... I'd just really appreciate it. Or if you've seen any couples who do, do it really well on the night... Um, yeah, obviously we want to talk to as many people as we can, but I want to just make sure it doesn't feel like a big five-hour meet and greet kind of thing. Anyway, um, I would love if you had a moment to help me out with those questions. Absolutely love your work on Bride Chiller Podcast. I'll be listening even after the day. Um, happy days. God, I love an Aussie. I love it. I feel so happy, Kirsty, that you shared this and also happy that you are aware of all of these things. Firstly, the relaxing. It's really strange when you're in a position where you have been thinking about something, an event, a thought that keeps going round and round. You have probably spent months, if not years, planning this thing. You've got ideas of how it's going to happen. And I don't know about you, I'm a really visual person. I like to sort of sit on the train and vague out and imagine. And I think that comes from my storytelling persona. Part of my career, part of my life has been writing comedy and telling stories. And it, I just think that way. I hear a song and I'm like, oh, what can I write about this song? Get all emotional. And when it comes to weddings and visualizing the day, I know I had quite specific well, images that I'd created in my little pea brain about how I thought it was all going to happen. And also in the lead up to the wedding, I'm not saying I had dream images about going, it has to be this way, but I just would vague out and go, I wonder if it's going to be like this. I wonder what we're going to, well, it's all going to happen and what's it all going to look like and how's it going to feel? I really embrace these feelings and these sort of moments because I think, A, it's really good for you to vague out. I don't think we do that often enough. And B, I think it's great to just sort of mentally prepare yourself for something. I used to do this when I would perform regularly. I would think about the gig and I'd think about how, and this is not like, I'm not talking about the secret or anything sort of wanky. I'm just saying, if you have an image, if you can visualize something, you sort of know what to expect. And when something different happens, cool, fine. You sort of prepared for that as well. But you, you can let it happen and observe and just get it all going. So I think the stress thing is sort of interesting because you sound like you've got it together. And I know a lot of listeners, you know, got 250 episodes of people ringing in and sort of being prepared. They've got their shit together. They've, they've obviously, there's forethought and things are, the mechanisms in your brain are going, going, look, this could happen or I don't want this to happen. So it's really interesting when we come to stress and we're thinking, why am I stressed? Is it the expectation? Am I just nervous? It's a lot of stuff coming together. I hope it all works. It's completely natural to feel a little on edge and and not in a negative way. It's just that you are trying to imagine what it's going to feel like. It's all starting to happen. And we react in different ways to stress. I know, and this is something I've been doing lately, right? A little window into the sometimes madness of my mind. I clench my jaw. That's awful, that tweet noise. But I can feel myself if I'm stressed, and I've just been going through a particularly stressful time at work, we're launching the app, we've 
going to, you know, we're going to be on a big plane to Australia in a couple of weeks. That sort of makes me nervous. I can feel myself tensing up. I can feel myself holding myself in a different way. And it's only when I'm sitting in quiet moments or getting ready to record the podcast, I go, Alicia, you're clenching your jaw. Unclench your jaw, you lunatic. And it's not till I'm aware and I go, you have permission to relax. You don't have to be like this, that it happens. So I think stress is our natural way to go into sort of preservation mode. Stress is not great. We know that already for our health, but also it's a way to get you thinking, you're ready to roll, you're excited, you want to get things happening. So I actually think it's a natural thing to do. Now, I'm not answering your question. I'm probably more reassuring you that, you know, being stressed at this time, even if you're going, there's nothing to be stressed about, everything's organized. Oh, just relax. I will say, if you have access to yoga, perhaps you like a long walk, a jog, I think it's good to step outside of the zone of thinking about weddings, of planning, thinking how you can disconnect from the thought process behind what might be causing the stress. And to be honest, as someone that's done it and witnessed other people doing it a lot, I think when this week kicks into gear and when wedding week comes together, you sort of start to shake it off a little bit. I think you really need to embrace the feelings, go with it, but be very aware that if you're feeling a bit freaked out, if you're feeling a little palpitating, take a sit down, have a sip of champs, or go outside, breathe the air, put the iPod, iPhone, Android, whatever you choose to listen to music on, listen to a playlist, talk to your partner about something that's not the wedding, and sit with it. I think embrace it. I think stress is something that we could all learn to, to manage a lot better. But at this time, I think you just need to roll with it and know that you are surrounded by people that support you and love you and it's going to be a fucking great day. Whew, that was a bit of a lecture on stress and relaxation from me. Stop clenching your jaw, Alicia. Second point is about this idea of feeling that you are the center of attention. It can be hard to be able to then get around and see everyone. I also think... When, you know, looking at answering this question, it's about exactly what you said, unpacking those expectations that you are going to be able to see everyone and spend quality time with everyone at your wedding. And you don't want to be running around, you know, being the mistress of the house and running around talking to everyone, making it all happen. But realistically, you're probably going to do that. So I think if you just acknowledge this now, that it's probably going to be busy it's going to be a little bit overwhelming in an amazing way that you will feel good when you get to the bed when you're bloody taking your shoes off at the end of the night and you go whoo that was full on it was amazing do you remember this moment that's what we did we got into bed i mean forget sex we just talked about going that was crazy do you remember that? when we danced and then we jumped in? and then wasn't the food amazing oh that cake and then did you see what she was wearing oh that was so funny did you see me warm my bum by the fire yeah that's the fun part of the night when you get to sort of deconstruct what happens and what you both got up to not to say you're not together but I do think that you need to sort of embrace this idea that it's probably going to be busy. You're probably not going to spend the quality time with everyone that you so desire. But also remember they're there for you. They will have an amazing time. They will be able to share memories with you about their experiences on the day later on. And it's going to be rad. That's all I'm going to say. You're amazing. Thank you for writing to me. I hope you have the best day. And please leave me a Bride Chiller graduate message. I know we would all like to hear how 
your amazing event went. Remember this? <sighs> relaxing, relaxing, relaxing. Yoga is so fucking good. Sending me a voice message is very easy. Visit thebridechiller.com. Leave me a voice message. And also, if you want to follow us, me, it is actually us because Rich appears a lot on various social medias. Instagram stories is where I'm at at the moment. I do love a Facebook Live. Um, get involved. Join. Leave messages. I love you all very much. This has been a long episode, but a good episode, if I do say so myself. Until Monday's episode of the show, I wish you a happy Happy days. The Bride Chiller Podcast. The only place a cookie cutter should be used is in the kitchen. Am I right?